biggest games. The biggest events. The crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was just in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. I'm Rachel Gu, and I'm joined by Jacob Wolf on the desk today. And I'm joined by Tommy, who's the team manager from Rockat. Let's talk about ninjas in pajamas for a sec. This was a very highly requested topic from Mr. Jacob Wolf himself. Um, when I initially <laughs> sent out the outline for these topics, I put in parentheses, let's talk about this mess of a roster. And I mean, looking at it point blank, it seems like kind of a mess. Yeah, Tommy, what do you think of the kinda. Ninjas in Pajamas roster? Kinda. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, to me, to be honest, if, uh, like, at least what I saw in the media, and sadly, I don't know more than this because we were busy dealing with our roster and everything. Like, uh, from what I understand from the tweets and the talks from Cubs and all the players, etc., um, it, it, from what it looks like, NAP just tried to get two or three people from the old roster Fnatic Academy and they just got rejected, you know? They the Fnatic Academy guys apparently wanted to stick completely together, the whole lineup except an Niskew. And when they got rejected, for me that was a, what they did after that is a little bit of a panic move. Hey, let's get the best available right now, you know? Since uh, they weren't sure if they're getting the slot, first of all, until the last minute if I'm not wrong. Yeah, you're right. And uh, and how do you build a roster not knowing if you're in the LCS or in Challenger Series, etc.? Et I wanted to ask because you said that the Fnatic Academy guys wanted to stick together, and that's why they didn't end up getting them. Um, is this something that happens a lot in esports? Because I feel like, you know, the chance to compete in the LCS, it's a rare opportunity. Like, who wouldn't pass that up? I, I'm actually heavily surprised from those people. Like, it's maybe the first case that I actually see a team risk their career to stick together. I have no idea, like, uh, mad respect for those players. Seriously, like, lately, it's with, mo- with most of the players, and even us as managers, coaches, and everything, everyone looks for their own interest, everyone looks for their money, etc., and then it comes the team, you know? Uh, and, and those guys put everything at risk just to stick together, so mad respect for them. Like, if I was NIP... I don't know exactly what happened, so I can't judge them completely. But if I was NIP, simply because of that and how they risk it, insta pick up those people, you know? Yeah, and kind of expand on something uh, you said earlier. I can give a little bit more context because it would turn into like a billion words on a on a written piece. But uh, essentially, yes, uh, Ninjas in Pajamas did not know that they had the slot until like very last minute. Uh, there was a bidding war between them and Laser Kittens, which is the the Overwatch team that's owned by Alicus, um, who's formerly of Misfits. Um, and there was back and forth up until the very last minute. Laser Kittens won the bidding war. But they couldn't find a mid laner, and they had, had attempted to get Coco um, from Newbie in China, and formerly, obviously, of CJ Entis. And uh, he wanted a lot of money up front on top of a heavy buyout. So, like, financially, it didn't make sense to risk that much money on an international mid laner who doesn't have a lot of guarantee. Um, so they Laser Kittens ended up pulling their bid as a result of uh, as a result of not being able to get a, a roster they felt was sufficient enough to compete uh-huh. in the LCS. Uh-huh. Right now so. we have the Ninjas Pajamas roster, which is Prophet, Shook, Nagne, um, Hiku, and Spraddle, which is 
I feel like there's a bunch of question marks next to each one of these names. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, honestly, for me and Tommy, what, like, I'd love to get your opinion on this. For me, the best person on this team that I think has the highest upside is Heek. Like, oh, he was Heek? A, yeah, <laughs> he was actually pronouncing a Heek Q the whole he was, time. He, Heek was actually, like, he was one of the better players, in my opinion, besides Knight on Giants, like, this past split. And, I like, I think he's an okay no, player. No, 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 no. No, you don't think so? Memento was, Memento was way better than both of them. Okay, like Memento, right. if, if 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 you Memento didn't have a good game on Giants and actually carried their early game, Giants couldn't do anything after that. Like most of their games, if Memento wasn't like, look at the games that they won, won even versus Vitality, the the last good games of Giants and everything, Memento was invading, killing one on one the junglers and putting pressure in all the lanes and everything. Like he had his last good game of Giants. I mean. Uh, overall was when Mementos went 6-0 or something on Kazakhs in the first 13-14 minutes. Like, uh, Knight is good, but he was super inconsistent. And consider that uh, if you look through the games of Giants, that's something that we were discussing. Like, Memento was obviously in our totes when uh, Maxor and us parted ways, you know? So we had to go and see if he's good or not, if uh, what happened over there with him. Um if you look in the Giants games, Memento had two or three junglers banned every single game game against them. Yeah, he was very good. Like he was the most. Yeah. So so you have a player that couldn't play his main champions, couldn't play the things that he's most comfortable on, and he's still put in a put in a disadvantage. He still managed to carry most of their games. And to be honest, until Vitality game, they were looking pretty strong. We were scared for ourselves, you know. Even with us winning, getting a couple of wins, even versus them against them directly and everything, we're scared because they were looking strong. Like Memento and Knight as a duo were carrying their games. Uh, Hiki was for me. He's not bad player, but for me, he's not something super special or uh, carry personality. You know. So Tommy, who and, do you think? Which player on this roster has the highest upside or has the most potential on the ninjas and pajamas roster? That is mm-hmm. so. profit. 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 Mm-hmm. He, he, he might. Everyone is right. I saw tweet the, the tweets yesterday. Like, prof. Everyone is saying like, "Hey, he's the only one kicked from SKT in the middle of the season." What if Profit actually wanted to play as a starter, and that's why he left? Yeah, I mean that Does, would make sense. Anyone, yeah. Uh, yeah, has anyone thought about this? You know, and come on, the guy played a couple of games in LCK, and he carried. In those games, he he even uh, the preseason in the tournament he played super good, and then in the LCK he played super good too. But how do you compete with Huni, who has experience of worlds, uh, experience with top teams, experience with beating those top teams and everything else? A person that has the knowledge and everything else, like SKT picked up Profit to develop him and everything else. The guy just wants to be a starter. I don't know if he got kicked for behavior or anything else. I'm not familiar with the situation but looking from all the angles and not only the one that people want to look from you know profit is for me their only outstanding player on the team okay um, well I, he keep... yeah sorry. So, all right Go. so well i think that for profit to succeed a lot of it is going to depend on the synergy has he has with shook um, a very familiar face to all of us. Most fans might recognize him from Vitality, but he's been around the scene for a really long time. I mean, can Shook propel Profit to success? 
Uh, that's something to be seen, to be honest. <laughs> like, he, hasn't, he, he hasn't. Come on, he hasn't been for what more than a year now. Yeah, it's been. It's been. It's been a while. Yeah. Because they they replaced well, him with Mighty Bear, remember? That was that was who they ended up yeah, replacing right. him with on Vitality. And then they replaced him with G, replaced Mighty Bear with GBM, and that didn't work either. And and Joko and Joko's okay, but uh, and, and, and <laughs> the same at the same time with that lineup with obviously with Vitality happening, like you see Mighty Bear right now stomping Korea, you know? Maybe same thing happens with Chuk when he has more freedom and everything to do whatever he needs to, because looking at uh, like. I don't know the personalities of uh, Nagne and Prophet, but uh, my guess is as new Koreans over here, they're not going to be super demanding and everything. While on Vitality, they, he had uh, bot lane and uh, top lane who are super demanding and reliant on his help, you know? And Shuk had to play that style around Cabo Chart at that time. And I'm not uh, with Wicked and everything before that in Alliance, he wasn't that type of player, you know? He would be the player that's uh, Yanko's type that uh, would just randomly decide, hey, I go right now in that lane, I go in that lane, I want to be there, you know? And on Vitality, you, uh, at least in the beginning right now, I think they, they fixed that, is the mentality on Vitality in the beginning was we need to play around Cabo Charts. Like, he's our carry, we need to play only on, around Cabo Charts. And that was pretty much what was happening, and it's quite limiting for a jungler player, you know? Uh, but at the same time, like as I said, he hasn't been around for almost a year, not if not a whole year already. And Shuk had that reputation in Europe, and I think overall that he's um, he's either gonna show up and carry, either he's not gonna be at, almost at all in that game, you know. So first of all, I want to see if he can still compete with the top tier junglers and teams. In the LCS, and second of all, it's that risk factor with him. Does he show up that game or not? Is always going to be there, no matter what happens, you know? And on the note of junglers, uh, you guys have a new jungler uh, in Pride Stalker. He's a rookie. Uh, what are you looking forward to having Pride Stalker and Team Rock up? Um, can you clarify a little bit the question? What yeah, what, what are you looking forward to having him in the team? He's young. Uh, he's talented. <laughs> And he reminds me, like, behavior-wise, I told him even that a couple of days, he's an exact copy of Yankos when he joined uh, KMT with us. Like, young, raw, unexperienced, and eager to learn, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. And, 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 and the, guy is, the guy is, like, not complete opposite from Maxor, but it's pretty different from Maxor. So we're still adapting and uh, looking what's most uh, best to play around him. Uh, what we chose him over the other options, like let's say Memento and others like this, is um, he showed a lot of potential. And as you saw, I think you tweeted at me even about it. It's like we, we at this point in league, we've stagnated so much on the old school players that uh, have experience and everything that uh, we started ignoring the new talent and such. We always look to have two, three, four, five people with experience and maybe risk it with one player. Uh, we took two new players that are eager to play, eager to learn, eager to to beat daughters, you know? And it worked out for us in Spring Split. So we said, like, why not? Like, just go with uh, someone that we can actually teach from the very beginning 
when he doesn't have the habits and every the bad habits and everything else already built into him just teach him and make him play around the team and yeah that's pretty much it that's interesting because so let me ask you this actually so between a seasoned veteran let's say someone who has maybe two or three years in the league and maybe operated at, at a moderate rate of success um, would you rather choose someone who maybe has no experience at all versus someone who might have way more experience or might be considered a veteran? Uh, it, it really depends on the team you have. Like, it, it really depends on the coaching stuff, on the management. It depends on the other players on the team. And it depends how much of a risk that player is going to be and how much he has shown up already and how much potential and everything. because. If you have a team that's, uh, that needs some more experience to push that team, you're going to go with the experienced person. doesn't matter if he's worse than the, the new guy that you're going to pick up or not, because then you need someone to push your team and control your team. But in our case, we have um, Wadid and Hjarnen, who are pretty much talking and controlling a lot. Uh, I'm not going to lie, Maxor's communication right now is missing in our team, but we're adapting quite fast to it. And people have stepped up a lot more with him communic- his communication missing. Uh, so we actually had the option to bring in that new player. Uh, while for other teams, for example, if you're building up as NIP, you're not going to go for the young players, obviously, because you have to build from ground zero five players, not one, you know? All right, cool. Uh, so it's really dependent on the situation. All right, well, let's jump back into Ninjas in Pajamas for just one second. Um, one player I do want to talk about is Nogne. Um, there was a lot of criticism surrounding this pickup. And from what I remember, I just remember Nogne as like the godly Gragas player b- before the rework. But then again, who wasn't like a godly Gragas player before the rework? Um, what can you tell me about this pickup and what do you make of it, Tommy? Going for a name without thinking. That's That's my point on it. Like, to be honest, if I'm not wrong, correct me if I'm wrong. Jacob, you know them a little bit more, and I'm opening Esportspedia right now to just uh, Esports Wiki to check. Like, didn't the guy got relegated from Challenger in China? Yeah, he did. Uh, he, I believe he was on a team with Kakao before Kakao came to Misfits. Uh, uh, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, from from what I remember, and uh, the talk when Kakao was coming to Misfits, they pretty much went from a top four, top five team in LSPL. Nagne and Kakao joined, and that team got relegated the same split. And I heard a lot of bad stuff about Nagne. Like, I can't judge him myself completely because I haven't seen him play in any competitive matches for two years. Since since his KT roster days, pretty much. That's 2015. December 2015. That's stuff. Do you think so, a part of so, that is is the fact that Ninjas and Pajamas hasn't been in league in a while? I mean, they've had, I think, two CEO changes since they got into league, and they probably have a completely new staff working on this league team, and they also definitely have a new coach. Do you think that's part of the, the problem? If you have Nico DePico, you can't say you have an old staff, uh, a new staff, you know? Because he should be the one building. Like, you usually pick up the coach, and he builds the lineup for you. Or at least he builds it with you, you know? Gives you the right. advices and everything. I hardly, knowing Nico, I hardly doubt anyone went against him to stop him uh, or tell him, yeah, we're not, we're going to get that guy. We don't care about your opinion, you know? So I don't think that's the excuse. Uh, like, 
Nagne is a name, old school name that everyone knows. And to be fair, if he didn't, if they didn't have enough time to do research on uh, which other mid laners can be available and they can pick up and everything else, um, who else would they pick up, you know? And Nagne comes up as an old school big name, so why not directly pick him up? Like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least he's going to be stable. He's going to be over there. He's not going to carry, but he's not going to die instantly and everything else. So Okay, so Tommy, let me ask you this to wrap up this segment really quickly. Um, so what is the bigger picture here? Like, what was the ulterior motive for Ninjas in Pajamas to pick up such a mediocre roster? I mean, I'm smelling like some potential franchising in the near future. So my guess is maybe they're going to build towards restructuring a better team in the future. But for now, they're just looking for that spot to stay safe. I have no idea what they were thinking with that lineup. Like, especially when you pick up those players, like, if you train with them and you have, like, month, month and a half with them, maybe they, they make it middle of the table or something of the sort. But they have literally one week right now. And with all camera days, player summits and stuff like this, around group draws and stuff like that. They have six or seven days to play together. With I have no idea what the level of profit and Magnus English is, but imagine if their English is mediocre or low English. Like, how are they going to do anything for the first four or five, six weeks of the LCS? <laughs> like, I, I don't want to downgrade them because we've seen a lot of surprises in Europe before. Um, completely new and unexpected teams just explode and get carried and everything. And I think Nico is not as bad coach as everyone makes him out to be after the Fnatic thing. But honestly, I, I, I don't like... At this point, that lineup is pretty much relegation material. Right, just just speechless at this point. Well, we're going to take a short break right now, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about Rift Rivals, Riot's new international tournament. Stay tuned. And we're back with the ESPN Esports podcast. I'm here with Jacob and Tommy, and we're ready to talk Rift Rival. Riot announced Rift Rivals yesterday. Ask for more international competitions and you shall receive. Um, mm -hmm. So it's interesting because it gives a bunch of international teams a platform to compete on. I mean, we have NA versus EU, which seems a lot like Battle of the Atlantic Part 2, which is nice. And we have Latin America versus Brazil versus Latin America. <laughs> we have um, we have Turkey versus the CIS region, Southeast Asia versus Japan, and et cetera, et cetera. So and I mean, obviously, like besides the NAEU one, the, the other big one is LMS, uh, LMS Korea and China, China which are yes. all playing against one another as well. So Jacob, you yeah, don't seem too there, excited about this. I <laughs> over the. Over there, we know that Korea is going to win. So let's let's focus on <laughs> NA versus Europe. That's yeah. going to be interesting, you know. But but it's not. That's not the point, right? The idea is that we mm -hmm. get to see a new rivalry form between Korea and Taiwan, which is what I want to see because the talk has always been about South Korea versus China. But really, I just want to see Flash Wolves take on Korea and make a name for themselves. I okay. So the, you know. And I'll see if you two agree with me, but I have a, a hot take, quote unquote, for this. Uh, I'm very so to preface uh, with the good things. Very happy there's more international competition. Very happy it's middle of the summer and gives some of these players a relief from the LCS grind. 
Um, what I don't like about uh, this is that it's like it is sectioned. I don't like that it's sectioned. Um, I would prefer that they opened up the LCS a little bit more and did uh, completely international competitions, like more not MSI because that was I think MSI was a little taxing this year with how long it right. was, but like. One or two week competitions like IEMs. But so, incremental so. change, you know, because honestly, right. logistically planning that kind of tournament a second time in the summer, what a nightmare. Yeah, it would be a nice nightmare. But I like, I think it solves a little bit of the issue, but it's still like, it still doesn't make things better. And I think one of the big problems that Western teams in particular have with um, not being as good as Korean teams is the lack of being able to play said Korean teams throughout the year until you get to Worlds. So I think it's like a problem half solved. Yes, I'm glad there's more international competition, but I'm sad that it does not come with more more international opportunities for North American and European teams to play the Koreans, the Chinese, and, and the Taiwanese teams. Tommy, what are your thoughts? I like it because we can beat NA again. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's another thing. Um, I, I kind of agree. Like uh, It's pretty much Battle of the Atlantics all over again, you know? Um, just with a cooler name, a lot better name, and hopefully better organization than before, which I believe is going to happen, because right now, compared to before, we have so much more people working around us from Riot's side and actually taking care of us. Um, so I think it's going to be good. It's uh, something fresh. It's something new. Um, like some of the teams, the top three from the split, are going to compete, while the rest of us are going to have a little bit. Like, not time off, but a little bit time to continue developing and everything else, which, which we needed a little bit last split. Um, what I don't like is um, it's really limited on the teams, you know? Um, right. It's more of a, it's it's not a, exactly, it's a competition, but it's a competition for name, you know? Uh, you're not, you're going there for more to defend the ego of Europe <laughs> rather than, um, rather than actually competing. And, uh, Jacob, to be fair with you, if Flash Wolves plays the same way they played at uh, MSI, I'm not even hyped for that, you know? No, that was me. That, <laughs> that was, was me Rachel, excited yeah. about Flash oh, yeah. Wolves. Sorry, 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 Tommy, sorry, sorry. come on! My bad, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I climbed trees the whole day. So <laughs> I'm excused right now, you know? <laughs> All right. But yeah, like, I, I, I honestly, I'm curious to see how it is because I, what I've learned the last couple of years is until we actually see it and how it's done and everything, we can't really judge it. We can judge the idea behind it, but how it's going to end up and everything, we, we, we're we going to have to see and then make opinions on it. What I'm hyped for is uh, that idea of NA versus EU, you know, because with, it's always it's always been between the two continents, who's the better, who's the thing. And until now, we judge it based on one team fighting another team at MSI or a little at Worlds and such. While right now we have the top three from NA, top three from Europe, fighting against each other in a really good format, actually. Uh, reminds me of some StarCraft days before. Uh, and you see everyone versus everyone, so you actually see who's on the top level, who of the two regions is actually better, you know? And imagine oh, everyone from in Reddit and the clients and everything, like they did right now, we support the ULCS and everything. Imagine the the bragging rights for a year. <laughs> EU is better than NA, you know? I can, you know, I, 
I hope that this doesn't. So there's there's a couple things I want to ask you, but it, kind of my point is I hope that this is uh, like you said, like it's it's small change. I hope Rift Rivals is just this year, and the next year they like do another international. Yeah, they expand yeah. where it's like a a tournament that is multiple people, like another IPL or another MLG. You know, like these big tournaments that have. Because uh, League has changed a lot since those days, so I think from an inf- infrastructure standpoint, it would be a lot better because League has progressed as a professional sport. Um, mm-hmm. So, Tommy, my, my question for you is kind of the tail end of this. With this announced, uh, IEM said they will no longer be holding League of Legends competitions. Uh, you've been mm-hmm. to several IEMs, uh, particularly Katowice, which is not too far from you. Um, what, what do you think about IEM getting rid of League? I'm sad for it, uh, but at the same time, hearing, like... I uh, sadly the last year, year and a half, the last two Katowice events I couldn't attend for different reasons. Uh, sadly, uh, the, the, a lot of the teams had a lot of criticism towards IEM organizational-wise around the the teams, and the sole fact of um, that IEM had three or four hours delay because of a tech problem. And stuff it made the the event not desirable for most of the teams, and as you saw this year, almost everyone rejected even going you know yeah. right um a lot of the teams dropped to the different events and didn't attend for different reasons and as i am stated in their statement is exactly the time when the roster locks and everything is or the big roster shuffle i mean not locks um is so at that exact time, doing IEMs and qualifiers for Katowice wasn't comfortable. But I'm really hoping Riot is going to come up with another international event that actually gives a chance to the teams that don't go to Worlds, you know, the smaller teams, to test out their new lineups, to actually get some uh, a, a bit of international exposure themselves. And not only exposure, but training to see what it is to play against those international teams and so on and so on. Yeah, so, for sure. I feel like uh, this tournament is most beneficial for countries like Latin America North, Latin America South, Brazil, CIS region, Turkey, etc. I mean, we saw Gigabyte Marines at MSI this mm-hmm. year perform super well. And I feel like for them, this is an incredibly important platform for them to get that experience before, you know, heading to that international stage again against SKT or China, etc. I think a lot of people have focused on on like the bragging rights part of it instead of that piece because I think that piece is equal, equally important. Like if you look at the wild card tournament they did uh, in Australia a couple of months ago, like during the off season, uh, I think that was a really big deal. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think that like doing more of that is, uh, this is a good opportunity for a lot of the wild card turn of, uh, teams that even the good ones to kind of like mingle with each other and, and play and get experience. Wait, they don't call it the wild mm-hmm. card teams anymore, right? There's a new name for it. I thought they were. It, Am I blanking it, out it, on it? It our hurts. In our hearts, they're still the wild card teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're still, they're still the wild card regions. Right. So. All right. Until that becomes the common vernacular. And, and we'll I mean, with that. thanks to the Gigabyte Marines, the GPL gets two spots at Worlds this year, which is a pretty big deal. So, like, Woo. yeah, mm-hmm. that's a thing. Yeah, for sure. And thanks to, thanks to G2, Europe is still on uh, that <laughs> oh first seed. While, while NA, oh, that NA. Uh. We lost our pool one seed. Thanks for reminding yep. us. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Not I'm, that I'm salty or bragging about it, but I uh-huh, guess Europe is right. still NA. 
as much as I cover, I've covered the NALCS my entire career, and uh, to be fair, um, I'm actually pretty happy that G2 did what they did and that TSM did not make playoffs simply for the fact that I was extremely tired of every time I would make a tweet about G2 Esports, I would have like three or four people reply to me, G28, G28, and just like stupid memes from North American fans about <laughs> European teams being crap. And now those, meme, those memes have, have gone away. I've tweeted about G2 several times. And those those memes have gone away. They are dead. Because oh my G2, god! D two redeemed themselves. I feel like since you guys are so pro EU, I have to like take the NA side and defend our honor here. <laughs> There's no honor left. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, I wasn't a TSM fan before, but now I might have to root for them at the Please Rift don't. Rivals. Please don't. <laughs> oh my god, Jake. There there are no fans more obnoxious than TSM fans. It's true. Yep, fair enough. Hey, the organization, the respect, respect for what they do and everything. Exactly. But I think a lot. Of, NH, you know? I think a lot. Of, I think a lot of people have it misconstrued. I don't mind TSM as an organization. I think they do good business. They are ahead of the curve in in North America for like things like health benefits and stuff. Like they they are very good at what they do as a business. Their fans are just obnoxious. I like, I feel like the ten <laughs> the the one or two TSM fans listening to this podcast are going to be like. Well, excuse me, Mr. Wolf. I would like a word with you right now. <laughs> In your tweets right now. Hey, at least I will get some Twitter activity after. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, like, like to be fair, their players are not bad at all, and they can perform a lot better. But uh, going uh, like, I, I we we had a small discussion between us. Um, like counter going with that ego into the international. Hey. They're, I'm better than anyone in NA. All the Koreans, uh, they're easy or something like this. I don't <laughs> remember exactly what he said. They're easy. And so, Terrible word choice. And, 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 and like pretty much it, it felt like TSM is overconfident going into MSI. I mean, that must like be the, so uh, much sweeter for you because it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy of failure for NA. It's not only for NA. A lot of teams have done it lately. And suffer from it. Like, look at what happened to Schalke. Like, that's true. Exactly, yeah, that's a good point. Like, Schalke, Schalke, Schalke overdid it a ton, of course. It wasn't, like, Hunter didn't do it as much. But, uh, I don't know, like, uh, the seeing that Hunter is so overconfident, and at the same time you have the humble Bjergsen and everything, you put, <laughs> you have... It felt like the team is on different pages, you know? Yeah, but hey, there's something to be said about the theatricalness of being a cocky asshole or a cocky douchebag, right? I mean, that's what sells you jerseys, and that's what's important at the end of the day for a lot of these players and teams. That sells jerseys for a month. <laughs> after, <laughs> that, <laughs> after, that, after that, you just look terrible. <laughs> but uh, like, like, to be fair, their players are not bad at all. And they can perform a lot better, but uh, going uh, like I, I we we had a small discussion between us, um, like counter going with that ego into the international. Hey, they're I'm better than anyone in NA. All the Koreans, uh, they're easy or something like this. I don't <laughs> remember exactly what he said. They're easy. And Terrible word and, choice. And and, and 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 like pretty much. It, it felt like TSM is overconfident going into MSI. I mean, that must like be the, so I, much sweeter for you because it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy of failure for NA. It's not only for NA. A lot of teams have done it lately and suffered from it. Like, 
look at what happened to Schalke. Like, That's true. Exactly. That's a good like, point. Schalke overdid it a ton, of course. It wasn't like Hounser didn't do it as much. But uh, I don't know, like uh, the seeing that Hounser is so overconfident, and at the same time you have the humble Bjergsen and everything. You put <laughs> you have it felt like the team is on different pages, you know? Yeah, but hey, there's something to be said about the theatricalness of being a cocky asshole or a cocky douchebag, right? I mean, that's what sells you jerseys and that's what's important at the end of the day for a lot of these players and teams. That sells jerseys for a month. <laughs> after <laughs> after, <laughs> after <laughs> that, after that, you just look terrible. Uh, there's a certain player uh, that comes look- to mind in this discussion that is a North American jungler, but I will refrain. So. No, please do <laughs> no, tell. No, please please we, do we, tell. Like it's it not only it, it not only that it sells jerseys and stuff like this for a month, but right after that month is over, you not only lose your spot and it stops selling the jersey, but it actually destroys your career. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there, there's like, a you're, there's you're, a you're 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 I'm ninety nine point ninety nine percent sure that you're talking about Julius. I'm actually like, I'm actually talking about he, Dardoch, but like Gilius also oh. has the he, Gilius has the same problem. Yes, like like look at Gilius right now. From uh, didn't wait. Did they announce where he's going? No, but but we uh, we all know or I know at least, and you and I can have a silent laugh from the podcast until I report on it. So. Why am I not included in this? I'm interested like, I, too. I, I... <laughs> I, I I'm not sure if I heard it or saw it announced anywhere, but he's going to a smaller league team, you know? Yes. Or something of the sort. And come on, the guy announced on Twitter that uh, he knows he's world class and his time is gonna come. <laughs> but and when he's you back state to something like and and when you state something like this, no team is actually going to pick you up anymore. Like right now, most of the teams, at least in Europe. We don't look for a player to be super skillful, crazy, insane mechanics, super smart. We're looking for a player that has attitude to work with the four other people on the team. Because I I don't want to say percentage, but it's quite a big percentage of the game right now of League of Legends is movement around the map, knowing where to put pressure, how to move and how to work with your teammates to actually use that pressure and get the turrets. We we our one of our games, I think it was versus Misfits, until twenty two, twenty three minutes we didn't have a single kill, outplay, mechanical use or anything. It was just map movement, which is team reliant. And if you're cocky and you're diving under second turret with listen to just get the kills and show how good you are, and at the end you blame your teammates that they didn't follow you up to do the play etc. No one is going to pick you up. This is a conversation I want to continue having in the future, but we're all out of time for now. And um, that's it for the ESPN Esports podcast. For more content, you can check out ESPN.com slash esports, or you can follow us on Twitter at ESPN underscore esports, at Rachel Youngu, at Jacob N. Wolf. And Tommy, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Rocketfly. Okay, cool. You can follow him there. Shout out to our lovely podcast producer, Tariko, for making this podcast happen. And that's it. See you guys next week. You can't leave yet, Rachel. Oh, why? Because you have to do that voice that you just did when you were mimicking people talking about Jacob. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Dude. Mr. Wolf. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.